They really are a dynamic duo of the early 20th century. If you think of someone who could work on Monticello and Diego Rivera, Aero Saarinen and John Russell Pope, that's where you get the sense of their fingerprints. Hi, I'm Ann Lucas, Senior Historian at Monticello. This is a special podcast to the Robert H. Smith International Center for Jefferson Studies at Monticello. In anticipation of a conference we'll be holding on Saturday, March 20th on Fisk and Marie Kimball. And with me today is the conference organizer, Marie Frank, and I'll let Marie introduce herself. Uh, hi, I'm Marie Frank. I'm a professor in the Department of Art and Design at the University of Massachusetts Lowell, where I am the coordinator for the Art History and Architectural Studies programs. And I am a graduate of the University of Virginia um, Architectural History program. And that's where I first encountered Fisk Kimball at the Fisk Kimball Library. So it's been a long, uh, a long acquaintance. So Marie, tell us a little bit about how you came to work on Fisk Kimball's biography um, and more about um, Fisk and, and his wife, Marie Kimball. While I was a graduate student, I started working on a topic that involved Fisk Kimball's teachers at Harvard. And with that project, I got to know turn of the century architecture, architectural education, and Fisk Kimball kept filtering into that story because he was a student of the group of professors I was studying at Harvard. So he, um, uh, I saw some of his early student work, and I also saw that he TA'd for people like uh, George Santayana, the well-known philosopher. And then after that, as I continued working on architectural education, I actually ended up coming back to Fisk Kimball when I realized that he had founded the architecture program at the University of Virginia. So all of this was over a decade ago. And as I was uh, looking for a new project, I thought, why not do someone that seems to be crying out for more attention? Because one thing that became clear in the work I had done on Kimball was that I had first learned of him as an architectural historian. Uh, as most of us in the field of architecture do. And so it was surprising to me as I looked into his biography a little bit more to find that people in the Philadelphia area know him as the director of Philadelphia Museum of Art. So this sort of duality of someone who was known as a museum director, someone who collected paintings, someone who uh, was working very much in the, uh, with um, projects involving public art, that was not someone that I had, that was, those were not activities I had associated with Fisk Kimball. So it became clear that he was someone that had his finger in a lot of artistic pies in the first half of the 20th century. And that's what intrigued me. And that's what I started to pursue with the project. Um, equal to that was his wife, uh, Marie, who became more and more interesting as I learned more because she also was very active as a scholar uh, in projects where she was supporting some of the work that Kimball did, Fisk Kimball did, but then also her own projects. So they really are a dynamic duo of the early 20th century. And I thought it would be interesting to pull that out uh, a little bit more. 
So I'll add that we were fortunate to have you as a Kundrin Fellow at the International Center for Jefferson Studies when you began your work on this project, which is funded by um, the sale, proceeds from the sale of Fisk and Marie Kimball's house in Albemarle County, Shack Mountain. So um, this has all been facilitated by um, Jane Tarleton Smith Moore and um, we're gracious for the way that she looked forward to remembering Kimball, the Kimballs as scholars. Um, part of that funding allowed for this conference that you and I are both participating in. And I wanted, wanted you to talk a little bit about what we might hear on the 20th and what people should tune in for and, and what you're excited about. Well, I'm excited about the whole conference because I think it's exactly the vehicle that we need to show uh, the range of influence that both both Fisk and Marie have had on the way that we think about buildings and objects. And that's the subtitle of our conference because both of them, through their scholarly contributions, through their physical work that they were doing on historic sites, uh, both of them very much had a um, a role in shaping the way that ne the next generation would think of uh, building spaces and objects. And so what the conference speakers will all do is take some different angle of that of their activities and uh, give us a, in some cases, a very uh, close view of one thing that they might have worked on. Uh, whereas a couple of the other speakers will give us more of an overview of their more long, uh, wide-ranging impact. So it's uh, I'm looking forward to the fact that we see the many facets of the contributions that both Fisk and Marie made. And if you're someone who's never heard of Fisk or Marie Kemble, how would you um, summarize them um, or entice or entice someone to listen in who isn't familiar with them at all? Well, if you've heard of the Philadelphia Museum of Art <laughs> and you want to know why it has, why it is an internationally renowned museum, uh, you would want to come here about Fisk Kimball because when Fisk Kimball got the job as director, the building was empty. And literally it was a brand new building that was a shell. And it was uh, Kimball's... Um, job to uh, to fill that. Um, and uh, similarly with Marie, uh, she became so fascinated with Jefferson that she wrote a multi-volume biography uh, that was well-respected at the time and that um, is still written in a way that is so accessible uh, that I think it could go back on the bestseller list uh, because of its some of the some of the material that she brings out on Jefferson. But also she had other interests, as uh, people who know Monticello uh, might recall. She was she was a great cook, and one of the first things she did was put out a cookbook uh, related to foods from Jefferson's era. So so again, you have a, a variety of ways to to come across them or become interested in them. I can say from my own experience um, with Fisk and Marie Kimball, um, having been at Monticello for three decades and hired to do many of the things that Fisk began in when he first came to the foundation in 1924, every file and folder of research at Monticello practically starts with something in Fisk Kimball's handwriting or Marie Kimball's handwriting. 
and um, they I've come to learn through you and through study is is true uh, at so many institutions um, in that in that time in the twenties. Can you just um, sort of rattle off some of the places where we see the Kimball's fingerprints? Sure, I. <sighs> I know it's a long list. I don't think I have enough fingers to actually do that. That it's 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 a it's a great question. Uh, well, just to give you some sense of the the range, you have Fisk Kimball, who was working at Monticello, very hands on in the restoration there. At the same time, he's doing that. He is also going to be involved in a committee for the um, mural decorations at Rockefeller Center that included Diego Rivera. Uh, Shortly after that, he's going to be involved in the Thomas Jefferson memorials that are going up. That would include the one in D.C., which is classical, John Russell Pope, but it also includes the Aero Saarinen in St. Louis. So if you think of someone who could work on Monticello and Diego Rivera, Aero Saarinen and John Russell Pope, that's where you get the sense of the fingerprints that shaped our, our experiences for buildings and objects. Um, Marie, we had the um, great privilege of having you on site at Monticello um, at the International Center in 2017 and 2018. Can you tell us a little bit about what that time um, meant for, your, for you as a scholar and to the project? Uh, absolutely, because it was, first of all, it was an honor to be there and to have access to so many of the materials. Uh, but it also gave me some time um, free from my academic life of, of teaching to really jump into the archives. And um, the what I quickly learned was that Fisk Kimball himself at the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Museum of Art was a pack rat. And what I learned was that his habits of pack ratedness continued when he worked at Monticello because the archives in the uh, foundation are extensive. And I started going through them and I, my first thought was, I will never get through, <laughs> through all of this in, in one, um, one fell swoop. On top of that, I also used the time to go to some of the important sites that that Kimball had worked on as a uh, preservation architect, and that included Stratford Hall. And when I got there, I had another one of those moments where I thought, I will never get through all of this because the archivist happily welcomed me in, took me upstairs to the library, and literally showed me a room with three walls of boxes that included all of the documentation uh, for uh, work done at uh, Stratford. So the, the fellowship was critical in terms of not only giving me time to, to really dig in to some of these archives, uh, but also to help me realize the extent and shape of the project. I, I knew right away that I could have a whole book just on Fisk Kimball and preservation or just Fisk Kimball as a museum director. So it really gave me the time to also think about how I would shape a book on someone who was literally larger than life and and had lived the equivalent of six different lives in terms of their scholarly contributions. So since we've been remote for a full year, and there's a lot of conversation about what the nature of work and the workplace might look like, It strikes me when I'm working on Kimball and listening to you talk 
that so much of Kimball is about the power of place, uh, the, the importance of place. Can you just think about that and help us think about that in terms of Kimball's career, the Kimball's career and their, their, their way of placemaking um, and, and what it means to be on site to study someone? Sure. Uh, and there's even just a couple different levels to answer a question like that on. Uh, one of the most important things to realize about Kimball is that as, as well known as, as he has become for so many of us now, when he first started his scholarly career, when he first published Thomas Jefferson Architect in, in 1916, there was no professional field of architectural history. And very little had even been done at a scholarly level on American architecture. And so one of the ways that Kimball was a placemaker was simply by insisting with the full force of his very dramatic personality that American architecture had a place at the world table. And world table for him meant Europe. Um, but he, in those first years when he's working on Jefferson, it comes through again and again in his letters to his family, um, with his colleagues. He is determined to use the scholarly methods that um, his European uh, colleagues are using, uh, people like Wolflin. Uh, at the time, for example, uh, who had um, tried to become much more scientific in their approach to writing scholarship. And so, again, we take it for granted now that we have an American architectural history, but it's really Kimball who insists that early in the, in the 20th century, uh, looking at American places and applying a scholarly type of approach based in a scientific methodology to, to demonstrate that we had a, a viable, worthwhile uh, architectural past. And so the buildings he includes to, in his studies do become some of the first places that shape our sense of uh, the past. Uh, Marie, thanks so much for um, not only for being here today, but for taking on this amazing topic um, and for your scholarship um, for the Kimballs and for the foundation. It's my pleasure. And I really do uh, thank the foundation for supporting it. Tune in on March 20th to find out more about what Fisk and Marie uh, have achieved. And I'm as excited to learn as every member of the audience. So the sign up for the conference, which is free, is on Monticello's website, www.monticello.org. On the webpage for the Robert H. Smith International Center for Jefferson Studies. We look forward to everyone's participation, um, whether you're a student of architecture, student of the 20th century, early 20th century, or just someone who's really curious about a couple that shaped the artistic world as we know it.